so welcome to What Comes Next Live. I'm your host, Tom McCallum. Um, I'm very passionate about what I call open leadership and write about leadership daily on TomMcCallum.com. Now, open leaders have core qualities that drive them, four of which I tend to see are people are brave, hungry, open, and humble. I find such leaders inspiring, and I'm always inspired by listening to them, which led to the idea for this show. Uh, and today we have a half hour conversation where our guests will first share a little about themselves and then their thoughts on what comes next. And we'll seek to draw out some actionable insights for you, our audience. Uh, this will be recorded and out as a podcast later. Um, our very first guest is my dear friend and a specialist in first, Mr. Mark Beaumont. Uh, Mark and I haven't actually spoken since lockdown began months ago. So I'm really excited to hear what his thoughts are on what comes next. Mark, welcome. Hey Tom, good to see you. It's uh, yeah, it seems like another lifetime when we were hanging out and making plans, and even further back when we were riding our bikes together. But uh, seems like you've been busy. Indeed. So tell us what's tell us what's on your mind and what's been happening, and well, a little bit about yourself as well, and uh, and then let's turn the, to the what comes next conversation after that. So so uh, yeah, um, I guess. For those who don't know who I am, uh, this wall, you can't really see my office, gives away a few um, a few of my sort of projects over the years, which are big Guinness World Records. World Records, first fastest over the last 15 years. As an athlete, trying to take on some of the biggest endurance uh, records out there. So I still hold the world record for cycling around the planet. That's an 18,000 mile race. I've done that twice. Um, still hold the record for the length of Africa, 6,000 miles from Cairo to Cape Town. And the expeditions in the films have taken me to about 130 countries so far. And um, I'm very passionate about not just performance, but, you know, performance on your own terms, not just beating sort of the record that stands, but creating these significant leaps in performance. And, you know, by if you go out there, year in year out and try and do stuff which has not been done before you know you come across the word impossible a lot simply because it's not been done before um and everything i've described in the last two three minutes is the the side of mark beaumont that people know about so i always joke that i spend half my life in lycra and half my life in suit and um, i've always been very passionate about entrepreneurship my own degree back in the day from glasgow university was in economics and politics uh, early, very formative experiences with the Soltar Foundation and Entrepreneurial Scotland sort of led me onto that path. And I'm now the partner of EOS Advisory, which is a early stage innovation fund up here in Scotland. And we have 12 businesses in our portfolio, um, really exciting startups in science, engineering, technology. And we're in the process of um, launching our first fund sit alongside the syndicate at the moment. But whether you're talking about pedaling around the planet or, you know, nurturing a, a business which is, you know, leaving the university laboratories and setting out to, to figure out how to become a, a commercial global business, they're the same challenges. What I love in life is building a plan, building a team, tightening the timelines and making stuff happen. So that's, that's kind of a bit about who I am and I guess why Tom and I have connected over the years. So I'm frantically scribbling notes on what you were saying. Um, indeed, uh, I think we met through Soltire many years ago, um, and it's often around business ideas, entrepreneurship, um, 
So it's obviously been a pretty eventful few months for you. So perhaps tell us a little bit about what you've done, maybe what you've done the same and what you've done differently since lockdown. I mean, crikey, like, like most people, life as usual, business as usual has been entirely thrown out the window. So I live in Edinburgh, which, to be honest, is a, a good place to be locked down. I've got, you know, a beautiful young family. I've got two daughters, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So like so many of us, there are silver linings. Business, if you take a, a very sort of straightforward look at it, has taken a huge hit. Uh, I spend my life traveling, doing a huge amount of events, conferences, advising on businesses. So I'm lucky, I guess, in the fact that I've got a portfolio career. So it's not like, you know, if you lose one strand of work, everything disappears. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing the same in my business as a lot of businesses, as in, as in if you just look at the bottom line, things are probably down 75, 80%. Uh, over the last three months, which is a, a number which comes up time and time again, whether you're in production, you know, services, whether you're a one man band or you're a corporation, it's extraordinary how hard businesses have been hit. And then you look at the macro and the, you know, the, the slump in GDP and what's going to happen in terms of employment levels. It's um, extraordinary times we're living through. But um, I'm quite on the personal level. Um, not relaxed, but I'm quite used to, um, <laughs> I'm quite used to that sense of having to create opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm quite used to that startup mentality of going, here we go again. So it's not like, um, you know, quite often in life, you create your own challenges by taking on a new project. And sometimes just, you know, things happen to you, which are out with your control. And COVID is that curveball that's you know, hit us all in a huge way. There's very few people who are rubbing their paws together at this point. Strategically, the way I look at life is you want to create impact in three ways. You want to create impact, first and foremost, with your family, secondly, with your community, and thirdly, with your work. Now, it's so easy when you're a corporate mind, a corporate career, to just focus on work. And especially when... Um, to excuse my French, the shit hits the fan, that you you just get blinkers on and just just work yourself to the bone. The reality is in terms of mindset, mental well-being, happiness, you're not going to come out well, especially during periods like this, if all you do is worry about work. And, you know, there's so much in that equation you can't affect anyway. So I go into any periods of huge turbulence thinking, how can I create equal impact in those three spheres, work, family, and uh, community? And so week one of lockdown, I sort of sat down and went, well, you know, business has taken a massive hit, but I will focus on that. But for my own well-being, I need to make sure that I don't neglect the other spheres. So I set about a project. Uh, I thought, well, in terms of the wider challenges right now, can I sort of galvanize a community? Uh, and do what I love best as an athlete, get people active, create some well-being and purpose during this time. And I created an event called World in a Day, which during the first six weeks of lockdown raised about a quarter of a million pounds for frontline healthcare charities. I can't take the full credit for that because people around me took the bat on and ran with it. But I underwrote it. I, I employed a small team to make it happen. It was my idea. From concept to running the first event was five days. And, you know, I am proud of that. I will talk about it in, in events like this because 
I could have so easily not done that. I could have so easily worried about work and the fact that, you know, the business was, you know, really, really suffering at that point. And it was a lot of sort of managing relationships and whatnot. But I'm incredibly proud looking back that I did something other than just feel sorry for myself. On the family front, um, I was listening to the Rick Roll podcast, Rich Roll, Rick Roll podcast, week one of lockdown, and an amazing guy called um, Ricky Gates, American ultra runner, was talking about how he'd run across America and then um, realized he didn't really know what was out his back door. So he took on this project to run every street in San Francisco, which is a seven mile block. And I was quite inspired by this project. So with my six year old, um, we just went and did a, a little loop near our house in Edinburgh. And then I bought, you know, an A to Z of Edinburgh, the old school paper map and mapped it out. And Edinburgh is 80 10K runs. If you do it fully, every cul-de-sac, every road, every everything. So I'm just back from my 59th, 59th running cycle with my daughter. You know, day one, she was a bit wobbly on the bike, certainly didn't know how to go up and down curves. Her road positioning wasn't fantastic, but the streets were empty. And 59 days later, she is a really strong little competent bike rider. And we have covered five, 490 miles of Edinburgh streets together. And it doesn't mean much to her right now. It's just an hour a day with daddy doing 10K a day. But when she's 16, 26, 36, those are going to be such formative memories. And, you know, I've managed to sort out quite a lot with business. I'm writing a book and doing things that otherwise wouldn't have had time to do if I was traveling all the time. But what I'm incredibly proud of over the last three months is, you know, the fact that my family and, you know, my friends around me have supported me to do something other than just, you know, I think if you come through periods like this and just, well, think, well, you wish time away, you, you, you know, you felt sorry for yourself and you just sort of thought, well, we'll let that storm pass. I don't think that's going to do your mental well-being any good at all. So it's certainly not all a bed of roses. There's still some big storm clouds overhead. But during this really unsettling period, the Every Street Project with my daughter, the World in a Day Project to support frontline charities, and, you know, pivoting and focusing on work projects, which I can meaningfully do. Uh, and by that, I mean things that have just fallen away that I relied on for the last decade plus and were a really successful business model. What is the point in flogging a dead horse? What's the point in carrying on doing the things which you know you just do out of habit, but ultimately aren't profitable and aren't meaningful anymore? I'd far prefer to draw a line under that, pivot, and the things which I thought I would be doing three, four, five years down the line, just truncate that time period and focus on shorting that time scale. So for, for, for me, for me it's, it's, it's about opportunity cost. Before, I would invest my time in the things that were meaningful and profitable. As soon as they disappear, rather than keep trying to do them, invest in things which aren't making you anything right now, but are ultimately gonna be more fruitful further down the line. And, and that's the way you can come out of periods of massive uncertainty, feeling like you're, you're literally back in the right horse, as opposed to just out of sheer life habit and laziness, doing what you've always done. And guess what? It's not, it's not profitable. It's not meaningful. Wow. That's very, very cool. There's a lot in there. Um, and I'm always thinking of an audience and what we can draw out for them. There's a few themes I'm hearing from um, all of that. And I, I've been, I haven't, you know, I haven't spoken, but I've seen your social feeds and it's really wonderful you've had your daughter out on the bike. I mean, that's the one that I think is 
uh, the world in a day is uh, this is going to sound crazy, Mark, but it's I'm almost like doesn't feel like such a big deal because of everything else you've done and the amount of charity stuff you've done and all kinds of things. The key thing in that is you got it from concept to execution in five days at the beginning of lockdown when a lot of people were frozen. That's that's very cool. The Every Street Project I love. The, the theme that's around this for me is at the moment, which I like to explore before we kind of look at, you know, what comes next for Mark in the business, but also the business lessons you just shared at the end there, is this idea of mental well-being. And um, I think um, if we're modeling being open and humble, uh, I think there's been a lot for, there's been a lot for me to learn about myself personally through this experience. Uh, I've not always been, I'm generally very solid and robust, but there's been a couple of wobbles. Um, mm. And the, I particularly like the, if I zero in on one thing, I really like the idea of sometimes we create our own challenges, sometimes challenges are imposed on us. Um, but it's the tools that you either consciously, certainly consciously, but also perhaps unconsciously use of going, okay, my family is key foundation to me. Mm. Um, how, do I, how do I support my wife and two daughters? Um, and, and how do I support, but it's really how do you support yourself? Because as a leader, you need to, we need to support ourselves so that others can lean upon us. Yeah. And if we don't have a firm foundation, um, others can support us, but we need to be self-aware around, around all of that. So I, I, there's, there's perhaps a question in there. It was really, um, on the one hand, you've got the challenges that either you create, you love challenges, right? So you either you create them or they're imposed upon you. Um, and then there's that piece around what do you, what are your key things you need to have in place so that you can crack on with these challenges? Um, I think that, yeah, the differentiation that you, you're really focusing on there is around control. So, yeah. um, like, you know, people talk about wanting the easy life, but, you know, I don't think people are particularly happy when their life is genuinely on the easy street. I think it's... Um, we the life affirming career defining stuff is about perseverance now of course you're talking to an endurance athlete so i will tell you that you know through striving and through the journeys and through that sense of purpose and committing to a task we found an find an incredible sense of fulfillment um you know these nice bits of paper on the wall from guinness world records are great but they're not ultimately what you know i remember most fondly through the challenges but it's about control and it's about choice. So I think we've all got huge responsibilities within our families, within our workplace. When, when stuff happens to us, as opposed to us taking on challenges, it's quite easy to feel a lack of control. Mm. And when we feel a lack of control and choice, you know, we start to sort of have that sort of downward spiral of sort of self-doubt and, well, what's the point? And, you know, I've been there as well. My goodness, I'm not, I'm not preaching at all. We have all had a, an incredible roller coaster since March and the sense of Groundhog Day, you know, sort of being up, you know, fire in the belly Monday morning and then, you know, my goodness, nothing is really, the dial is not really shifting here. How do I, but I think what we need to grapple with most during periods where things are imposed on us is just to find elements of our life which we can control. We're creatures of habit. 
at the end of the day. And, you know, it's not about smashing it out of the park in any given day. It's about sort of building back some process and routine and a sense of fulfillment and not beating yourself up about stuff which you can't affect, but, you know, feeling a sense of contentment and fulfillment from things you can affect. So, you know, the old Oops. So scary and the projects which so many of us need to build back towards um, figuring out the controls, you know, figuring out, you know, how we actually sort of feel like we're at some level in the driving seat is, is, is difficult, but ultimately really, really important. So I think it comes down to choice, fulfillment. Hmm. It's not actually about profitability with people. You know, you, you, you have really interesting conversations with people about, you know, values and income and whatnot. And, and you'll always find that people who are, go back to your original point, you know, have the, the, the best sort of even emotional keel, like, the, the, you know, nobody is happy all the time, but, you know, has that sense of sort of mental well-being. Mm-hmm. It's all about feeling like they have a sense of control and influence in the spheres that they care about. And if you th- if you sort of zoom out from your life a little bit and think about it in the in the way I originally described it, family, community, and work, you know, if we get too obsessed in any one of those things, then it's so easy to to feel like, you know, we just lose our purpose. You know, you can be the richest man or woman on the planet, but it's it, it's very much about you know what's what's the point, what's the purpose, you know, what's what's the impact of all this, and unless we have that sort of unless you live life with one eye in the mirror with some level of sort of a plan, then it's so easy to just feel lost. And I don't care how wealthy you are. If you feel lost, you're going to feel mentally pretty, pretty unhappy. Fantastic. So um, there's so much in this. This is very rich conversation. Um, So control and choice makes me think of uh, my, the most important book I've ever read was man's social meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. And um, this whole idea that the ultimate choice is our freedom to respond to any external stimulus. Yeah. So we always have, that is our ultimate choice. And that very much aligns to what you're talking about. Now, if I segue into the business side of things, the, the third one of your three areas where you look to have equal impact is business. And, uh, you know, I know you to be an extremely highly booked public speaker and um, facilitator, you run workshops, et cetera. So you're often traveling around doing that. So that's yeah. a different experience. Um, and therefore you do have, you've had time to invest, to what I would call like strategically invest in the things that will pay off in the future. You said yeah. it's similar to that effect. What was fascinating to me is you said it, you've got this balance between profitable and meaningful. So yeah. um, is there anything you're looking at for what comes next for you that you can share at the moment around what would be meaningful and profitable and for business for you? Well, I think I mean, if, you look, wraps right now. <laughs> if you look specifically at my situation, mm. then I don't think the events and conferencing world is going to come back the moment that Boris and Nicola say that you can go back to your office. Agreed. So I, I, that's what I meant when I said the bread and butter of what took me to the airport every week is just not going to happen in the next year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the opportunity cost for me is, whilst that is a massive sort of hit compared to where I've 
you know, made my business in the last 10, 15 years and really enjoyed it. You know, I, I love getting my sleeves rolled up and getting involved in retained roles and strategy planning within some of these businesses, but you can only find those opportunities by being out there and meeting so many businesses. If you think last year I did 130 client events, this year I might do 30. Yeah. So, you know, it's an extraordinary change. Um, but as you say, it's given me time to, to be at home and do all those things I described before, but also, um, there's two sides to my career going forward. One as an athlete and one, you know, in entrepreneurship and early stage investing. And um, I am having more time to have meaningful conversations and to develop content in both of those areas than before when I was spending my life on the road. So I'm, I'm writing another a book at the moment about, about endurance. So I've written four books about expeditions, but the book I'm writing right now is is more of a how-to book it's all the frequently asked questions i've been asked over the last 15 years so being sort of a respected you know source of information being able to positively help you know the next generation people who want to do a version of what i've done you know as opposed to just doing it and people saying well that's hopefully inspiring actually helping people being specific being being relevant, you know, being being that sort of trusted source of information through the endurance podcast series in the book is a great way for me to sort of capture my expertise and share it with people who are relevantly interested. And I've actually found this period of um, working from home, whilst it's in one sense the worst time in history to be fundraising and involved in investing, everyone is has time mm. to have conversations and you know without getting stuck in the the geeky details of finance um there is there is when you look at impact investing those businesses who are interested in more than just you know financial growth genuinely answering global questions around climate change around food security around disease diagnosis businesses which have a real raison d'etre to them other than simply growing and you know, being capitalist entities. Um, so the, to, to, to measure that, to back that, to be a part of that very rich legacy that we have in the UK and indeed Scotland um, is something I'm, you know, proud to continue doing. And whilst, again, I've been sort of an ambassador in that space since the start of my career, I can really get my sleeves rolled up now and, 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 and do more of that. So I've managed to bring in some some fantastic cornerstone investors in the recent weeks and months have managed to have, you know, really build the awareness of what we're doing and how we're doing it far more than I did last year when I was, you know, running around doing that as a small part, maybe 10% of what. So I think I'm being far more focused. You know, I'm being far more, if you were to meet me five years from now, you know, it'll be a version of who I am today, but I won't, I won't get to that place if I don't sort of invest you know, my time in, in, in building my, pro, my profile, my relevance in those spaces. So I'm very passionate to continue both. Having at some level a public profile is useful and interesting when I work in the investment finance space. And, you know, being brutally honest about it, it's good for my soul. It's good for my, you know, I, I, I travel, I take on first, fastest, you know, just before lockdown, I was trying to free ride the world's highest volcano in Chile. You know, I, I will, I will always mix the extremes of expedition and endurance 
with my love for you know entrepreneurship and you know building teams around great ideas so yeah what i what i think i'll do now we've got a few minutes to run is i'll i'm just going to play back to you two or three themes that i see in in what i've heard you talk about um and then i'll ask you to come up with um two or three takeaways for our audience and it might be how to um so one of them is a one of my thoughts would be um a thread that all the time i've known you and all the history that you have is being an entrepreneur is a key part right um and it's interesting you were saying earlier you think oh but you know i don't think anybody would be very happy being on easy street um but actually, I've done this a lot in front of audiences and said, how many people in the room would be happy with life that's generally flat with a few little bumps here and there, but nothing really ever goes wrong, right? Or your other choice is it's much more spiky and you can have really high highs, but some quite low lows, right? All the self-avowed entrepreneurs in the room, which one would they pick, Mark? I mean, I would expect people to back themselves enough to want to take you know the best days and the worst days but i think you're probably alluding to the fact that people want the easy street well the entrepreneurs in the room every single time they pick they pick the one that has the highs and the lows yeah might be way too boring otherwise so i think, I think, that's, I think that's fair and, and at the heart of that is appreciation you know i love a five-star hotel i mm. also love camping under the stars i appreciate a five-star hotel all the more because i do camp under the stars I think if you have a five-star hotel every night, it becomes meaning, meaningful. So yeah. I, th I, think, I think you need to appreciate, you know, every aspect of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just suddenly remember being on the patio of a top-floor flat with you of the Edinburgh Festival fireworks a few years ago and thinking, my friend, this is an amazing moment. Yeah, so appreciate it. The, the second two things I'm conscious of our, of our time, and I want to leave you the last couple of minutes, is you've always had this way of seeing something, but not just the, the opportunistic um, opportunity like, look, I'm going to do something for community. I'm going to do World in a Day and I'm going to rock and do it in five days and start it happening. But also doing the round the world in 80 days or 78 days and 14 hours, if I remember correctly, yeah. um, was years in the planning. Yeah. I remember first talk, you first talked to me about that a long way ahead of when you did it. And it was just like, whoa. And then, then what that feeds into is, the piece that you're looking at is what's the version of me in five years time? Where am I evolving into? Yeah. Um, and so there's this long term, what comes next? But the other thing is you always put a plan in place and you always yeah. execute the plan. And I remember the number of interviews you did after breaking the world record, the, the 80 days world record is everybody is blown away by what you did. But, but a lot of what you said was, I just worked the plan. <laughs> which comes into the resilience so those are just some takeaways it's like the entrepreneurial piece the vision for the future which means you invest now for later payback um which i personally think is really important for people looking at it coming out of covid not just get back mm -hmm. to work but what's the future going to look like but then also put a plan in place because that helps them with resilience and everything else yeah. so I'll turn it over to you and those are my takeaways for our audience um what are you, what are what have you picked up from what you've shared and, and the conversation and what might people take away? Okay, in, in two short minutes, I, I think at the heart of this conversation, we're, we're all endurance athletes. So whether, whether you're actually, you know, cardio fit or not, 
the process of being successful, and by that I mean on your own terms, you know, accepting where you've ended up, not spending your life looking over your shoulder and comparing yourself. You know, if you are content in your own skin, successful uh, in your own life, on your own terms, you are an endurance athlete. Now, I always encourage people not to have a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year plan, because, um, you know, you can be so prescriptive in the specifics of that that you actually miss mm-hmm. the great spice of life, the great opportunities, the things that come your way. I, if I think of some of the best opportunities over the last 15 years, I didn't create them, but I did create the opportunities for them to happen by being proactive. You know, it's that, how do you see yourself in any given situation? Do you intuitively take a step forward or a step back? Do you wait to be led or do you just say, you know, this is something I'm going to grasp. And when you're in it is, you know, whether it's networking, you know, all aspects of, you just create so much joy, experience, you know, all extremes of emotions, but opportunities. Opportunities come out of not just sitting there with a bit of paper and talking about life, but just getting stuck in, getting muddy. And so I am a planner because I love having something on the horizon that I can build back from. But I'm I'm balancing that with the fact that my overall career is it has a, has a huge degree of sort of openness to it as well. So when you talk about specific projects, I can sit here right now and I won't repeat myself too much and sort of say, look, there's two big strands to who I am, you know, as an athlete broadcaster and, you know, early stage investing and entrepreneurship. There's specific things I need to do to nurture that skill set and that talent. Absolutely. 100%. But I can't tell you and I will not prescribe myself to the specifics of those milestones along the way, because the best fun you can have is putting yourself into the mix, you know, creating some sort of a routine in each of those spaces that you value in your life, and then being open to things that happen. I think if you're, um, I think if you're, if you're, if you're too, if you're too fixed on one path, then the biggest opportunities in life pass you by. I, I am not talking about profitability here. I'm not talking about coppers in the bank. I'm talking about friendships i'm talking about collaborations i'm talking about that balance between like i put it right at the start family community and work so i think you know tom you've known me for long enough over the last sort of 15 years or so i've always talked about having milestones things that are important to me and skill sets that sort of weave through all of them but i think if you can do that with also an openness um to to opportunities that come your way you're going to enjoy it and it goes back to the point we made 20 minutes ago you're going to feel like you're in the driving seat you're going to feel like you've got choice and um you know that's fun because things can go right and they can go horribly wrong but you're far more equipped to to bounce back if um if you're used to that sort of you know that wry smile that you know that's just part of the journey as opposed to life happens to you life doesn't happen to you you know you, you're you know it, it's something that happens with you absolutely sort of you know waking up every morning and figuring out what you can get out of each day and i know that's a bit too happy clappy but you know purpose and well-being are much more important to talk about at times like this than you know knocking it out of the park and you know 
profitability. It's if you get the purpose piece right and the skill sets that you need, you know, the, the, the rest are outputs. The inputs are the bits you can control. We could chat for another half hour. About no, that's, that's brilliant. Purpose, well-being, control, and choice. I'm going to have to listen to this back because I'm going to make some podcast notes. <laughs> and there is so much come out of this, Mark. I am very, very grateful. Uh, people can find you at markbeaumontonline.com. Yes. Um, and my site's tommccallum.com. And we'll sign off a couple of minutes late. Uh, it's been a very rich conversation. And my friend, I'm extremely grateful. Sounds um, great, yeah. Thank you very much.